from the banks of the mighty Murray and all across the Riverland. It's that time of the week, footy fans. Let's kick on. This week on the Kick Ons podcast, we dive into both sides of the RFL Grand Final with Renmark's Fraser Sampson and Wakeries Tristan Geeman. Plus, we chat Riverland football back on the air with 5RM's lucky Winnall. All that and more right here on the Kick Ons podcast. That's right, it's grand final week here on the Kick-Ons Podcast and we've got a massive show lined up. I'm your host, Brendan Lyons, sports editor of the Murray Pioneer and I'm joined by, as always, the man about town in Riverland football, Mr Nick Dillon, who uh, I saw earlier today in his natural habitat doing some uh, footy coaching at the Riverland Special School, mate. Yeah, massive afternoon. The kids in there absolutely love it. It's good to get in there and it's a bit of an eye-opener into... Um, some of the things that they have to deal with on a daily basis and makes you realise how good we've got it. But uh, smiles on the faces today of the kids, so couldn't be happier. They um, they had a ball and so uh, we had uh, Shane Yurin from Sanford down there today as well, giving us a hand, so that was really good. Excellent, excellent. It must be uh, very rewarding doing those uh, types of jobs, getting up close with the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the footy community. Yeah, especially that one. It's probably my favourite job of the year. Um, very much look forward to it since we started it up a couple of years ago and um, yeah, it was great to be back into it this year after missing out in 2020 and um, yeah, it's very, very rewarding, mate. One of the uh, one of the best things I've, I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, mate. That's great to hear. Now, uh, we should get straight into it because, uh, well, it's, it's, it's already so early in the show. It's just got a different feel about it, hasn't it, mate? Uh, a grand final. It's like- the weather. That, that's the, right, the, the weather, weather outside, too. It's 30 <laughs> degrees out there. It's footy finals weather, mate. That's right, indeed, right? And, it, yeah, so it's just that uh, that general, uh, yeah, just that, all that anticipation in the air, mate, like the grand final eve, mate. It's, uh, I guess, uh, it's a bit like Christmas Eve. Would you, would you uh, liken it to that? Oh, as I grow older, I find it more exciting than Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Eve these days comes with all the putting together all the bloody swing sets and things like that for the young fella and end up swearing and carrying on and drinking too many beers while you do it. And uh, the uh, grand final eve, much, much, much more exciting for me. Yeah, indeed. And uh, I guess back in your uh, playing days, did you have any, uh, you know, grand final superstitions, you know, wearing the same, uh, you know, uh, underwear through the final series, any of those kooky things? I used to used to give up the beers for the finals generally. I used to wear the same underwear all through the season. I'd ch- change them for during the week, of course, but <laughs> wear them clean on a Saturday. Um, and, yeah, just probably just the main thing was just trying to get a good night's sleep. The, the only time I, I really did get a good night's sleep was the 2011 grand final and we got absolutely pumped and I played like crap. So it um, didn't really work for me that day. Generally, they're pretty restless nights on the Friday beforehand, but that's what makes them all the more special, the nerves and uh, the whole build-up and everything going into it, you know, the um, playing everything in your head beforehand before it actually happens and, um, you know, all the different scenarios and those sorts of things. And I'm sure the Remark and the Wakery boys will be doing the same thing tonight and um, there won't be too many uh, easy sleepers tonight, I don't think. No, perhaps not. That's right. Yeah, I was never an easy sleeper uh, before. Well, last grand final I played was not, or yeah, about under 15s, I reckon, back in the day, Salisbury, Salisbury West. But my ritual was... uh, well, staying up all night watching the old grand final marathon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah, you used to all love the old that. VFL ones all the way through. That's right, mate. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, did that once uh, in our, uh, in an, I think before an under 10s grand final, we went out and just romped it. So I thought, oh, well, I'll keep that uh, up and uh, didn't quite work that well the second time around, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, it certainly brings back a lot of a uh, lot of nostalgia and all that, mate. And um, well, I, I, you know, I was thinking uh, maybe we could do our own version of the uh, the grand final marathon or something, perhaps. You know, yeah. I know you've got the Dave Dunhill book, and I've managed to get the Peter Lyons book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. of uh, That's football a as well, football history in the East Murray. So maybe for the next twelve hours, we could just recite the uh, grand final notes from all of that. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we'd probably fall asleep after a while, wouldn't we? We'd I have think- to have a few beers doing it, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, yeah, we just to keep the listeners interested. I think we might bypass that one. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but one of those cool things about grand finals that just attracts that extra little bit of. Uh, of uh, anticipation and uh, just captures the imagination grand final day, doesn't it? You know, just anything can happen. But uh, yeah. look, mate, let's have a look back uh, to last week before uh, how how the setup to all of this occurred in the uh, preliminary final between uh, Loxton and Renmark. And uh, well, Renmark coming from third, um, but they're playing like a, uh, a well-oiled machine at the moment, uh, romping in with a 78-point victory down there at RFL headquarters, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, as we know, uh, the, the COVID, uh, situation did, uh, deal them a bit of a, uh, a dud hand, um, losing a, a double chance there, but, uh, look, mate, they're in rip roaring form at the moment. And, uh, do you think perhaps that having that run, that extra game might carry a bit of momentum for them? Um, I think so. Uh, I think, I mean, that's, that's the win they needed, wasn't it? To, to go out and beat Loxton in a big way, you know? Almost identical to what Wakery did the the week before in the second semi. Um, you know, if they'd had a tough game against Loxton, you know, Wakery would have been licking their lips the, the following week. But the fact that Remarks come out, one of easy, um, no fresh injuries, uh, they've just been able to cruise through in the end. That that makes it a lot easier for them. Um, I, I think it holds them in pretty good stead for this weekend. I, I expect it to be a pretty close game, and you know, they're in a really good spot at the moment. The Rovers, I understand, for the first time in a long time, full strength. Um, Timmy Wolford coming back in, so and uh, we we know what sort of player he is after after Monday night, and and uh, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be hard to beat. But on the same same hand, you know, they got the the team wearing the black and white are in scintillating form themselves, and have been been the same all season. They've been um, the team to beat, and uh, got a lot of experienced players out there too. So I can't wait to uh, to see what unfolds. The setup to to the grand final this time around is uh, the last few years they've uh, usually played in the second semi together, but this time around mm. they haven't faced each other in a in a final setting. So it's got that extra little bit of. Uh, anticipation around it and that build-up that uh, see each other for the first time on Saturday afternoon just adds that, just that more, uh, I guess, title fight element to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit more prestigious, isn't it? Like you you don't want to, uh, I think, uh, yeah, 2019, it was six times they played each other th- for the year, so it's only four this, this time around. And, um, so they don't get that you know, tip for tat all year where they're going at each other all year. It's you know, just three times and then bang into a grand final. So that, that's exciting and um, probably makes it a little bit harder to read for the for the general spectator like me and you to go, okay, what, who's going to win here? Who's going to get on top where? And um, Rather than having you know, those five or six games in the lead up. So that's no, going to be good. Yeah, and it was interesting seeing an, another dynamic uh, to the Rovers last weekend is uh, generally they're, they're quite renowned for, you know, very good clean football, getting out wide and running down the wings off a half back but last week in the changing conditions they were able to play 
a slightly uglier brand of football, a lot of in and under stuff in the changing conditions and actually playing against the conditions. Because uh, in that second quarter, okay. Loxton probably uh, had the better run of the, of the mill there. Um, you know, kicking with the breeze, but Renmark were able to score against them in those trying conditions, and it was a oh, masterclass performance by Josh Vader. Uh, you know, getting getting the the heavy lifting done when it needed uh, to happen in trying conditions. So, just being able to see that element of the Rovers as well is quite exciting. That if they do need to play, uh, uh, it's going to be a nice sunny day tomorrow. But if the game does mm. get bogged down into that. More, uh, you know, contested style. They, they've they've got a, they've got that extra element there. If uh, Wakery want to play it that way, perhaps. So, yeah, I think be- so. And I think they're just getting some of their guys in, into some form as well. Linesy that have might have had some injuries or been in and out of the side for whatever reason. And you know, Vader obviously missed the a little bit early with his ankle injury. That he was coming back from the from the cricket season. Um, it's taken a little while to work in the season. And obviously he's got the, the heavy burden of coaching as well on his shoulders. But his form over the past month has been as good as any. Nathan Zernick's uh, come back in amongst the goals again on the weekend, which is which is great to see. And now our guest, Fraser Sampson, uh, who's coming up shortly um, in some good form too. And and Jack Ago, you know, just this is just going off their best players last week. But uh, Jack Ago, um, you know, he had a, a obviously a scintillating start to the year, probably uh, sort of tapered off a little bit, but it's coming good again too. So they're they're in a good spot at the moment. But um, what, what do you what do you make of Loxton, mate? That's you know it was a double nightmare for them in the finals to go out the way they did, but still a huge improvement on on previous seasons. Yeah, I, I think they showed very good face uh, for the final series. You know, if we look at uh, yeah, if you look at it uh, directly on results, yeah, it, it probably does look a bit nightmarish going out in straight sets. But if you look at it in the context of the season. Um, you know, it, in some regard, they probably weren't expecting to end up there uh, in the, yep. the top two with a double chance. Uh, but what they were able to do with their side and having uh, Dylan Millard come in and rally together this uh, this mix of uh, a lot of guys that haven't even played finals football before. So this is their first taste of it. And you could only think it's going to galvanise things for next year. And I remember... Um, uh, speaking with uh, Les Lange afterwards and, uh, you know, he just expressed how proud he was of these guys, what they've been able to do for this season. And they can hold their head high um, with what they've done. And it's only going to build next season, I'm sure. Um, you know, I, I would uh, think that uh, they'll probably carry a fair fair bit of this team across into uh, 22. And, uh, look, I think it could be the type of side that, um, you know, we could be talking about at the pointy end for at least the next two, maybe even three years, perhaps. I think it's just got that build behind it. Yeah, and that's the key, isn't it? It's to have sustained success, you need to keep the team together, not just for the continuity for for the blokes that are playing out there, but also things like the point system come into play these days. And um, you lose three or four of your recruits that's very hard to replace because all of a sudden you have to bring in four new guys who are all worth points and then they have to gel together as well. Whereas if they keep this mob together, um, you know, their points will drop down next year and so they'll be able, to, be able to bring in a couple of new ones, just top up what they've already got. They don't need to go nuts. Just a couple of areas where they might need need some help and, um, and you know, they can build nicely and potentially uh, make a GF next year. So it's an exciting time for the Loxton Football Club and obviously hosting tomorrow – Unveiling their their fantastic new facility out there for the first time in the grand final setting is um is really exciting for them too. Yeah, so you just kind of feel this season was a lot of um, 
a lot of good things coming home to roost for the Tigers uh, down there. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, with the with the opening of the precinct, uh, the team getting back up the pointy end. So you kind of feel that you know uh, things are building, and it and it's gonna uh, gonna see a lot more um, a, a lot more fruit. Uh, you know, come off the off the tree next year, perhaps. So, yeah, uh, yep. I guess if we were to, to you know wrap up their season, um, I would liking it to a bit of a fact finding mission. I think you know they've finally got the good stock of players. Let's just see where we sit this year, and they've probably gone a bit above where they expected to be. But mm-hmm. now it's like okay, now we know what we've got to do next season, and I think they're going to come back. Uh, yeah, uh, with uh, quite a bit of ferocity. Yeah, which is good to see. It's been, you know, they haven't been um, uh, up there for a long time, so it would be good to see them um, you know, up there consistently as well. That's been the key for Lux, and they've been up and down the ladder like a yo-yo over the past 10, 15 years. And so it'd be nice to just see them up the top end for a little while just to, uh, you know, to give their supporters something to cheer about too. Yeah, indeed, mate. So that's the wrap of the uh, the prelim final. Uh, but we should also, uh, as we usually do, uh, once we've looked at the uh, – the team efforts. Let's look at the individual efforts, uh, and uh, in particular, the Willis medal count uh, from Monday night. And uh, look, mate, um, it's it's the big one uh, in Riverland football, uh, as as you well know. And uh, yeah, quite a uh, surprising result, um, I would think. In uh, well, Tim Wolford from the Renmark Football Club uh, getting the uh, getting the votes and getting it done quite early. Yeah, that was the key, wasn't it? Just he just raced that early lead, and there was no catching him from there. Um, you know, Eighteen votes, and most of those were with a lot of threes in there early on. That which um, you know you get you get the votes on the board early, and you can get the job done. We mentioned it last week, I think, about they're generally low scoring counts, so you don't need, normally need a huge amount of votes to to win them. And um, and he certainly got them on the board. So no, it's, he's obviously a quality player, and uh, you know since coming into the side, he's, he's been huge and. Two years ago in the grand final, he had, he had a massive day as well, um, Matt. And then Jed Wolford, who I don't believe is a relationship a relation there, um, had a, had a good day as well. So yeah, he's uh, he's been a class act for them for for a few years now, and good to see him rewarded. Yeah, and he was up there with uh, some very very good company as well. Uh, Will Gushy uh, getting the runner up uh, on thirteen votes, and their second runner up going to Wakeries, Jack Grieger on twelve. So. Um, you know, he that some very, very good players uh, amongst them. And uh, we, as we know, Jack had a really good, strong back end of the season uh, as well, which helped. But, um, yeah, it's a, some great efforts up there. And, uh, I, look, I looked back um, at the at the votes uh, as they were coming in and I would, I would just like to think if Matt Spensley had have maybe had those few extra games up his sleeve and without those COVID rounds, oh, might have changed the context, mate. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's, I mean you could argue he's almost on par with with Tim and, and maybe Lockie Evans as the players of the year. Couldn't you? Um, maybe Spencer is an absolute jet. He's a, was a good get for Wakery to get you know midway through the season. It's not the sort of sort of play you, you normally pick up midway through a year, but um, he's a it was a huge get for them and and he's just class. You know, and it just he gets. I think you mentioned it before as well. He. The um, he's noticed by the umpires. He does the, the flashy things. He does the things that umpires uh, generally see. He kicks goals, um, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a class act. He's a he's an absolute star. So, 
um, yeah, but that top three, Wolford, Gucci and Gregor, uh, very good footballers there, mate. You'd be pretty happy with the quality of those if you're the RFL looking at that and going, they're our best three players this year. Yeah, indeed. And uh, interesting, we've talked throughout the season uh, with the, uh, the Marks Up MVP and the Murray Pioneer Writers Award that both of our awards, we landed on Lachlan Evans, but the yeah. umpires landed on uh, Matty, on sorry, on uh, Timmy Wolford there. So, you know. They also landed on uh, Jack Evans as well. I noticed Jack got quite a few votes compared to Lockie. Yeah, indeed. That's right. Yeah. I think he actually got more. So, yeah. Yeah. The interesting that's take interesting on it. interesting the way. Absolutely, mate. And everyone sees the game different, don't, don't they? You know, we coaches, riders, umpires. Everyone sees it sees it differently. So, and what about the um, best first year player, mate? Because I haven't seen a lot of this lad play. But Hugo Krieger come into that very side and lockdown fullback and, and got the best first year player, which is a huge effort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugo played uh, interleague earlier this year in roughly the same role, and um, just with the way things have gone uh, with my work schedule this year, I've seen a lot of Berry this year. And, um, yeah, seeing him uh, down the back there, he's uh, accounted himself quite well against some real gun forwards. And uh, it's, you know, it's the, the role of the full back, uh, you know, it's not, it's not flary. It's not, uh, you know, you're not always going to be doing the, uh, the eye-catching things that the crowd sees. But, uh, you know, the work that he does has been great to watch and, uh, you know, batting uh, quite well above above his average, uh, you know, just coming in uh, from the 18s as well. So he's done uh, quite well in his first year, um, given such a role. And in in uh, the Berry side as well that we know was uh, a developing side through the year. And, uh, you know, maybe he's, uh, you know, laid a bit of a foundation there uh, for some seasons to come. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as a former defender myself, mate, it's great to see uh, the, a fullback getting some recognition because you, you mentioned that they don't get a lot normally. So it's um, it's great to see it actually happen. Yeah, mate. And um, I'm interested to hear your take. Uh, you might have been kicking back in uh, your famous recliner uh, back there in, uh, watching <laughs> in on uh, Monday night. What was your take of having a broadcast only event? It was different, but I didn't mind it. You know, they are they they're a huge night normally. The Willis, you know, a lot goes into getting it all up and running, and um, you know, it's, it can be. I mean, for the RFL, I imagine it's very uh, much a time-consuming, and also you know, it costs a lot of money to, to hold these things. So um, to be able to do it just from the comfort of RFL headquarters with the, you know yourself and Lockie there, um, Righty and, and Vicky, just to be able to read out the votes and have somebody do the the PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, I, I thought it worked pretty well, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the the mode going forward. Um, whether it is or not, they might like to go back to an actual medal night where everyone gets together because it is a good opportunity as well to, yeah, to catch up with people from other clubs, get together, have a drink. Um, generally, the team from the prelim gets a bit loose on the on the Monday night because they've just been knocked out. But, <laughs> yeah, it is a good – I actually really enjoyed it. It was just good to be able to sit here and watch it from, from my comfort of my own home and not have to – because, I mean, well, you know in your role, mate, you, you work on Monday and, and then you have to quickly rush and get to get, get yeah, all your stuff together and get down there and um, there was none of that this year, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, before uh, we get to, to our guests uh, uh, on the, this episode of Kick-Ons, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Renmark's uh, fr- 
Fraser Sampson. We'll get to uh, Tristan Geeman and um, Lockie Winner a little bit later, mate. But uh, probably uh, another rap we should do uh, is the Independence Grand Final uh, down there at uh, Peruna Roval last weekend, uh, the 50th uh, edition of the Independent Grand Final and going the way of... Uh, the Roosters, in quite unusual circumstances, not scoring after three-quarter time and holding off a massive last final tilt uh, from the Magpies, mate. Um, yeah, it just incredible finish, isn't it? It, it was. It's, it's one of those things where you get to a point where you're 30 points up at three-quarter time and you, think, you probably think to yourself, okay, they've only scored one goal. We've probably got this. Uh, so then Canberra obviously thought differently and, and came out firing in, in the last quarter and and uh, you know just dominated the quarter to get. I think they got to within um, eight points at, or seven or eight points at one stage. I think the final margin was nine, um, but they they got really close. Uh, no, it must no, it must have been nine points. Must have been the last the closest they got. But um, they they put in a phenomenal effort to come back. But full credit to Ramco, you know they were written off, you know, myself, I'd written them off after that second semi-final. Um, you know, they came back out, pumped uh, uh, Wanka in the prelim by by a big margin and, um, you know, sort of let that, that momentum carry on. The, the weather might have helped them a little bit. You know, it was a bit, you know, Sudan like to chip the ball around a little bit. They can be, um, they like to move the ball, you know, pretty fluently. And whereas Ramco is just get the footy, barge through the pack, kick it as long as they can and, and a really simple brand of football, which that, potentially suited them a little bit more but um, first flag in in the independent competition since joining from the Mid-Murray Footy Association um, and I know that everyone down there would be absolutely um, uh, wrapped at the moment because it's been, been a long time coming and particularly for two people like Craig and Louise Teal who have been you know, part of the woodwork of that footy club, both got made life members of the independents and the um, and the Rena Nepal at the Duffy Medal a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know, Craig didn't play this year, but been part of the club for a long time. Louise played in, in the Nepal Grand Final, and they got the job done as well. So, um, a big day for the Roosters. Certainly was, and I'd caught up with uh, Cameron Hawke on uh, for an interview right in the middle of their Mad Monday, uh, and uh, so I've got to say. <laughs> He's loose at the best of times, Hawkey. <laughs> he came on the Mad Monday far out. <laughs> but he was he was kind enough to find some time uh, amongst the celebrations, and uh, yeah, that the phone might have got passed around for some other answers uh, from the other boys, which was which was great. <laughs> I, I loved it. It was fantastic. And uh, like he said, um, you know, the conditions had a fair bit to do with it. You know, because as soon as things find up, you know, Saddam were able to find that uh, more. Uh, yeah. run down the wing style that they're used to. But, yeah, he he just uh, really uh, commended the boys for uh, sticking uh, sticking to their guns and uh, just really uh, holding out um, towards the end there. But, uh, yeah, he also spoke uh, very highly of uh, some of the other great efforts out there from uh, Jaden Allcroft and uh, Peter Elliott, who won the, uh, the MVP award uh, down there. And... Um, also, uh, Cade Muir getting his hand on the ball for a couple of goals as well um, helped out. And, uh, yeah, he uh, spoke uh, uh, quite at length about how well Cade slotted in the side and attracted a fair bit of attention from the other sides once they were aware of who he was because he was a first-year player and, uh, yeah. yeah, accounted himself really well uh, taking all that pressure. So, uh, yeah, uh, just a, a great story for the Roosters, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, just a great uh, finish to their season. Yeah, you're right about Muir. I mean, he 
he held their forward line up for most of the year, to be fair. And a lot of the time it was push everyone out, leave Buer one out in, in the uh, inside 50. And, um, you know, it was either he'd kick goals and they'd win or he didn't kick goals and they'd lose. So not that they lost too many throughout the year, so obviously he kicked, kicked quite a few. But um, I think eventually what they did find was when he was having a quieter game, they were able to find others around him, like Adam Burkett or someone like that, to pop up and kick some goals. I see Brodie Whipborn kicked a couple on the weekend as well. And um, I mean, when we played them earlier in the year, we I think we held to, to one kick for one goal, yet they beat us by 30 points. And I think, honestly, I think that was probably the start of where they started to realise, OK, we can score goals without without Cade getting on top. And he's just a, he's a, the cherry on top now. Um, if he kicks three or four or five, that's fantastic. But if not, we, we're going to find other avenues. So, um, no, well done to them. And well coached by Jamie O'Callaghan too. That's right, who uh, we also uh, uh, should note got the uh, Coach of the Year award at the uh, Duffy yes. Medal as well. So, well done to Jamie. And, uh, yeah, a, uh, a, a well, a friend of the show as well. So, uh, speaking yes. to us a few weeks back. So uh, Kick on zone. Yeah, that's right. Kick on zone. <laughs> Jamie Callahan. That's right, mate. And, uh <laughs> So uh, yeah, so that that's the, the the wrap of the independent grand final, and uh, thanks for um, downloading our show wherever you are today. And remember, you can uh, share with your footy mates across uh, Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. But uh, mate, just before we uh, get to our guests, uh, just a little bit later, we should um, talk about a bit of news that came out this this week. In uh, well, uh, the. Uh, a change could be afoot in the football landscape uh, in the Riverland with uh, a uh, proposal put forward by the RFL um, to the SANFL that perhaps the Indies might need to stand on their own two feet next season. So it's a lot to play out and it's in the, the early stages um, with discussions, going to be a lot of meetings uh but, uh, yeah, mate, I'm just wondering, uh, yeah, what do you think of the, the scenario that's unfolded? Oh, look, it's far from ideal from anyone. I mean, I'm sure the RFL don't want to just put them on their own and, you know, and say, you know, they're done with you sort of thing. It, it's not a case of that either. And the independents certainly don't want to, to break apart either. So it's a, it's just a matter of um, circumstance. And, you know, there there have been some issues with the independent competition over, over the years. And I think there's just a few concerns over its viability from the RFL's point of view. So, um in a way, it's been a bit of a wake-up call for the independent clubs. It's, it's like the Band-Aid's been ripped off now and they're, they're starting to get things in place that they probably should have had in place a long time ago. And and to be honest, it's probably probably been coming for a long while. I mean, you know, there's been talk of it for, for years and years now, but um, yeah, I, I think it's got merit them going out on their own. You know, quite often, the independent clubs, um, how do I put this politely, they, they do like to have their say on... Um, the RFL about you know what they do and what they don't do for them. Um, whereas now they they got the opportunity to go out on their own. They're masters of the um, of their own destiny, I guess, in in a, in a lot of ways, and uh, can run their competition how they see fit. So it's a really good opportunity for them. How it all transpires, still unsure. You know, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge still with the um, the RFL independent clubs, Sandful Commission as well. There's um there's a lot to lot of, so still, still, it's um, still in play at the moment, and uh, but you know, it's it's the way you look at it as well. You know, everyone can look at it as doom and gloom, or they can look at it as a as a positive, and I think that's the way they need to at the moment. And 
independent football is, is a different kind of football. It caters for different people compared to Riverland football, and that's what makes it so unique and so fantastic. Um, and as someone who's been involved with that competition for a long time, I, I, I'll always argue the merit for, for keeping it alive. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be in a different form now. What form that is, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and the the important thing that we I guess we need to really ram home at the at the moment is organisations like SANFL are not going to let a league disband. They're going to put every resource they can to make sure that if it is a case that the Indies need to go alone, they're going to have the backing that any other league in the state would have to make things work. And, you know, it's uh, it's probably important to acknowledge that because, like you said, and we, we heard from uh, Andrew Schultz earlier in the week that, yeah, there is a, a place for the Indies in the landscape of Riverland football, you know, especially in our outlying communities where mm-hmm. it plays such a massive part in the social fabric and, you know, people's mental health as well. So it's, it's important to yep. acknowledge those things and they should be taken into the into – the, uh, you know, whatever discussions are about to play out. But, yes, on the other side, you can see where the RFL want to go with, uh, you know, focusing on juniors, women's especially. That's something that, you know, uh, yep. perhaps uh, resources need to be reallocated. But, look, at the end of the day, the destiny is in the hands of of the independents. And I guess the decision ultimately lies with the Sandful how things go from here so i guess uh, that's all we can do is uh, sit back and uh, and see what see what shape this takes in the coming months really yeah, and you mentioned that you know, Sample will back them to run their own competition as long as they're doing the right things as well. As clubs, they need to tick all the boxes, get all their ducks in a row to make sure that they're viable going forward. Um, you know, if they're not, then that, that's where there's the issue. So the clubs have... I think have been great so far. They've been really positive um, in trying to move forward and trying to get get things in place now. And um, yeah, you know, I can see you know this competition surviving for a long time if they continue down this path, which is which is great news for everyone. Um, you know, and then you know, obviously, Riley's talked about expansion uh, potentially for for the RFL as well. So that you know, there's a potential for something maybe in in connection with the Mallee down there as well. Um, yeah. The, just the whole footy landscape is changing at the moment, not just here, but, um, you know, there's obviously issues over in the, in the far west as well in the, on the Air Peninsula. Um, there was a joint league down into, down in the southeast last year as well because of the COVID stuff. So things are changing and COVID's probably accelerated things to a certain extent to, to get them to where they are now. Yeah, that's it, mate. So um, we'll uh, see, see how all this unfolds because it's a massive story and it's going to really kind of determine what the shape of Riverland football could look like as early as next year but maybe it might play out over an extended period of time into 23 we don't know um that's going to be up for the the decision makers uh to and uh the clubs as well to decide uh where they want to be um so mate we should get into it now let's dive into our grand final spectacular mate so as, uh, as we said earlier in the show, I'm going to pull out the book and we're going to start at the <laughs> 1961 independent B-grade <laughs> grand final between uh, Marook Kingston and Brownswell. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> A goal after the siren by Daryl Swanbury saw the champion chaired off of Loxton North Oval as the... <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't go any further, mate. <laughs> but it was a great game. I was, I was intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But it was a great game. Uh, Marook Kingston got up by uh, four points uh, to win the inaugural uh, independent grand final there. And uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's as far as our footy marathon. I think will go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get some let's get some uh, footy players on here to talk about the big game, mate, because there's a massive massive match tomorrow. And uh, who's better to talk to than some of the guys who are actually going to be out there um, running around and chasing after the the red leather? That's it, mate. So let's dive into the Renmark camp, mate. So uh, let's uh, introduce our next guest, and he's the vice captain of the Renmark Rovers Football Club. And uh, we're talking about Fraser Sampson, who will be lining up tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so uh, Fraser, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell us, uh, what, what's it been like this week? What's the build-up uh, been like for you? Quite busy, I would imagine? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, um, obviously, having work and that keeps your, keeps your mind pretty busy. And I think coaching as well, um, that sort of kept my mind um, ticking over a bit. So I actually haven't thought too much about my own game, which has probably been a nice distraction. Yeah, and obviously you are coaching as the 18s, is that right? With the yeah, game yeah, against, yeah, uh, against Berry and um, did the hard way coming from third, mate, but you, you're there tomorrow. We should probably we'll touch on that before we talk about the A-grade grand final. I imagine you'd be pretty pumped to, to get the lads through to a GF. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been pretty close all year. Uh, the top three have been um, pretty much on the same points, um, us, Barry and Locks North, so it's been pretty close season. Unfortunately, we dropped the, the round 15 match uh, to Wakery at Wakery. Um, which put us down to third. So, um, yeah, we were forced to do it the hard way. Um, but in hindsight, it probably hasn't been a bad thing because it's made the boys a bit hungrier and made them work for it. And, um, yeah, we've uh, we've picked up our form and confidence because of that. So, yeah, it hasn't been a bad thing finishing third. Yeah, and you've had the wood over Berry this year, haven't you? So, yeah, I think you've been uh, two out of three times. Yeah, possibly. I think I know they certainly got us really well. Um, the, the middle one at Berry, where I think they got us by around about ten goals, so they yeah. certainly have the ability to run all over us um, if they get going. But um, yeah, it's been pretty close. I think we um, we got them last time at Renmark, and um, and that just came down to to us playing our game and, and shutting down their their ball winners. So they've got some really good really good players, and, and we need to put a bit of time into some of their players. But um, yeah, certainly back our boys in, and we've got a, certainly got a lot of talent ourselves. So it's going to be a good a good match. Indeed, mate. You mentioned uh, taking the long road with the under 18s same in the A grade as well. Um, spoken with Josh Fader a couple of times the last few weeks. He's just happy for each week that the boys get to play football, been able to get those games in since COVID and just treating it as a one week at a time thing. I know it sounds cliche, but just having those games in after COVID has helped you guys get the run, get some momentum going into a grand final. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's been a, a pretty similar situation. Um, yeah, I think for us, it's about just co- continuously playing footy and, and working on what we need to. We're, we're trying to work really hard as playing a, a bit of a team system and the more practice we get at that, the better. So, I mean, yeah, ideally we would have finished top two and had the double chance and that security of it, but um, finishing third and, and having that, I guess, that um, that first final experience versus Barry and getting some confidence and, and form from that, carrying that into locks and I think, again, it hasn't been a bad thing in hindsight, but obviously, you know, you always take a double chance if you're offered one. But, um, yeah, I think the boys have got a lot of confidence from the the last couple of games we've played. And and I think the fact that we've been uh, reasonably close to Wakery in in probably two of our three encounters this year, we take a bit of confidence from that. Um, They've obviously had the wood on us throughout the year, but I think, yeah, we know if we can play our best footy, we can certainly match it with them. 
And you, from 2019 to now, Fraser, you, you've pretty well got the majority of the same side. I think there's only about five or six changes in, in between, but you've got you know 15 guys there that played in, in that 2019 flag. So does that give you confidence as well, knowing that you guys have been there, done that, particularly against Wakery? You've done, done the job against them before and you can you take that confidence in, into tomorrow's game? Yeah, certainly. I think that, yeah, boys have all got a couple more years under their belt. You know, your, your youngsters that probably were pretty fresh back then, your, your Austin boys, your Lockie Lomans, um, your Kel Morass, these guys have sort of had a few years now um, playing A-grade footy. So you back those boys in and they're not treated like juniors anymore. And um, yeah, certainly the, the, I guess the core of us have been playing together for a while now. You know, your Walfords, uh, myself and Vader and that, we've had a few more years together. So it's sort of... Um, it helps. I think, you know, we sort of know how each other going to play. We know, you know, how well we can cover each other and that sort of stuff. So I think, yeah, obviously the longer you play together, the the, the better you get at it. So, um, yeah, I think the boys take a bit of confidence from that. In saying that, we've we've had to sort of adjust things a little bit with, with having a different side. You know, we lost some really key players with um, Dave Kinnear and, and Jed Wolford and these sort of guys who we've lost over the last couple of years. And obviously it would have been nice to have Chris Curran rolling around out there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we've had to adjust with that and we've been really happy with the guys that have come in and stood up. You know, Tommy Charlton obviously is, has um, come in and taken out the leading goal kicker, so he certainly replaced Jed in, in that aspect and a lot of other guys have stood up in the areas we needed. And last week you guys uh, battled in some pretty trying conditions out there at uh, RFL headquarters. Uh, kind of had all seasons in one day, but looking like uh, tomorrow is going to be slightly warmer. Look, Do you think um, conditions could play a factor? Oh, it's got to be hard work, no doubt. It's, um, I think both sides want to play quick. They want to, um, you know, move the ball as quick as they can. They want to rebound out the other side if they can. So I think both both us and Wake, we both try to play a pretty similar game plan. So probably it's going to come down to who can do it better and who can shut the other one uh, down quicker and, and who can do it for longer. It's going to be a bit of an endurance battle, I think, being obviously a hot day. Um, we've got some really um, good athletes through the midfield, so I'll, I'll back our boys into be able to, be able to overwork the Wakery boys, but again, it's just it's going to be a combination of uh, who can win it at the contest, and then I think being at locks in a big deck on a big day, I think it's going to come down to a bit of endurance as well. And uh, Tim, Timmy Wolford took out the Willis Medal obviously on Monday night, and a bit of a different Willis Medal with the uh, presentation uh, you know, at Harville headquarters. Have you guys got around him since? And you, I imagine you all, all would have been over the moon for the lad. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly, and it's pretty bit of a surprise, obviously. With Timmy missing the last three rounds with his hammy, we um, probably thought that his chances weren't going to be as strong, but um, we didn't expect him to get out the blocks like he did. So it was really exciting to, to see him get a bit of a lead and then knowing that he was going to hold on in the end was pretty good. Um, obviously, yeah, we, we didn't have the ability to all be together this year, but um, I know, you know, just quickly chatting to Tim over the phone, he was, um, he was pretty um, proud and pretty happy. And speaking to his brother, Matt, he's obviously won a few himself. He was pretty um, proud of his brother. So um, I know Timmy and Came up last night and trained um, in Renmark, and the boys certainly got around him then. So um, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he's, he's back in this week. I think he's his home is holding up, so um, hopefully he can come in and be a big difference for us. Been uh, fortunate that a couple of the boys have made themselves available to speak to me on radio. Uh, that was Lockie Lelman, and we spoke with uh, Timmy um, just after getting the Willis Medal on online. Um, has Josh Vader been handing out any uh, fines amongst the boys for their media appearances for the end of season trip? Uh, there's a few that get around. Bates isn't the he's not the man that gives them out. Uh, Mitch Jenke and Harry Brown are our fines masters, but um, yeah, Vader. 
Vader probably gets enough fines himself because he's always caught up in the media stuff himself. So, um, But, yeah, certainly the boys are pretty hot on it. Um, photos in the paper, all that sort of gear. So you boys do a good job. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, obviously, T- Timmy's come back into the side um, with, with that hamstring. I understand your full strength for the first time uh, for a long time as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I know um, – uh, at training last night, it was it was amazing seeing. Obviously, I was coaching under 18s to start with, but there would probably been 40 to 50 senior blokes rolling around um, together. So it was a pretty good sight to see. And as um, yeah, there's a lot of blokes putting their hand up for that final selection. Jared Rowe coming back from a hammy. Um, Harry Beavis coming back um, from a late pullout last week. Um, there's a few blokes that have been the B grade that have been really putting their hands up. So yeah, it's really nice to to be at full strength. And and um, yeah, I think we don't have any excuse why we can't give it a shake tomorrow. Indeed, mate. And um, I posed the question earlier to the show uh, to Dillo um, on the eve of a grand final. Look, mate, um, any superstitions or anything kick in on the uh, on the night before? Oh, no, I'm not too bad. I always always have a bit of pasta, but that's about it for me. Um, I'm a big Melbourne man, so I'm pretty nervous tonight, actually, <laughs> about what's coming up. So it's going to be good to keep my mind off the GF tomorrow. I'll be uh, passionately supporting on the couch, mate. But um, no, I'm not too superstitious. I'm just a... Uh, yeah, get some food in, get a bit of water, and, and that's about it. Excellent, mate. Nice, mate. Well, hopefully the D's can get up for you. And, and, and just lastly from me, mate, uh, who, who's the player to watch for, from Waker? Who's the bloke that you got to stop to win this grand final tomorrow? Uh, for me, it's always the Spencer boys. I think they, they always you know, rise to the occasion. Um, and if, if you get your clamp down one, I think the other one pops up. So I think if we can work pretty hard on, on stopping those boys, both forward and in the midfield, um, I think that would go a long way to for us to win. But they're they're super players, they're super talents. So um, yeah, as I said, if if if, you're, if one's having a bad game, the other one pops up and, and they feed off each other and they get each other in the game. So I think I think they're the keeper, Wakery, uh, the Spencer brothers. Good stuff, mate. We'll we'll let you we'll let you go, mate. Um, put your feet up tonight and have a have a big bowl of pasta and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, mate. Good stuff. Cheers, Brendan. Good Thanks, you, Thank you. Thanks, boys. Yeah, thanks for joining us, uh, Fraser. And uh, yeah, mate. Oh, look, it's uh, yeah. When you when you start getting into the camps and chatting with the boys, it just oh, the the anticipation just lifts even that little bit more, doesn't it, mate? It does. Yeah, it's uh, it's all about. It feels like adrenaline. Like you're not involved in it yourself, but you're talking to people who are, and it just gets you pumped up for it. You know, and um, you know, he mentioned the days there, which is a. Uh, uh, a big thing for him tonight. My brother-in-law and his family are mad demon supporters as well. So um, I know that they're, you know, with the with the prelim AFL prelim, they've got the same feeling. Imagine what it's like actually playing in an AFL grand final yeah. or something like that. You know, it's, the adrenaline would be huge. And but for our RFL guys tomorrow, it's um yeah, it's going to be be a big one. I'm sure there'll be some nervous guys tonight for sure. Yeah, mate. And uh, look, before we get to our next guest uh, with uh, Lockie Winnell um, from Five RM, look. Um, you know, just on the subject of, of watching big games on, on the TV or listening to them on the radio, mate, um, look, it, yeah, I, I guess you, you might have seen uh, a few in your time and maybe uh, being a Lions man in the early 2000s, that might have been some, uh, some uh, very, uh, how would you say, must-watch uh, TV for you back then in your grand finals. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, like the, the first... Grand final that the Lions made as when I was supporting them uh, it was 2001, obviously, and I was actually on my under 18s footy trip, and we, we went camping 
So I had no TV, thinking, how the bloody hell am I going to watch this? Um, so I ended up taking a TV up from home. Like This isn't the days where you had the flat screen. This is where you got the big, box, yeah. bulky, bloody things. Put that in the boot of the car. We thought we'll, we'll drive up to Lake Clullerain and see if we can get some reception there and, and watch the game. And we drove all the way there, made this big effort, had the aerial and everything like that. Couldn't get any reception. I'm absolutely devastated. So we drove back to our campsite and listened to it on the radio. And and uh, I was out in the boat actually listening to it on the radio when when uh, when they actually won the game. So that was a bit of a different experience for me. But the nerves beforehand were were pretty for long because I didn't even think I was going to be able to watch it at all, which which turned out to be the case. So yeah, not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have had a few over the years, mate. Been a been a Geelong man. You had uh, three flags in five years, and then. A decade of uh, yeah, early exits, I guess, since then, but lots That's of bonus right. appearances in yeah, that time. Yeah, great collection of uh, prelim, uh, well, we, you, you might call them highlight reels or whatever, but uh, yeah, fair few prelims in there. <laughs> uh, I remember, um, yeah, we, we spoke about the grand final marathons. Uh, I stayed up all night before the, the 92, the 94, the 95 <laughs> grand final losses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but amongst them, uh, are, the, yeah, they just couldn't get a, get a win, could they? Poor nah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look at that. Yeah, always the, uh, the the TV spectacle, the, the grand finals. You know, you just love all the uh, you know all the uh, production that goes into it. We think of uh, you know all those times Barnsley's got up and sung uh, "Ain't No Second Prize." It just uh, you know adds yeah. to the occasion, <laughs> mate. And uh, I guess uh, what's probably one of your highlights of watching a grand final uh, pre-show? Um, probably for me was it's not not a Lions one. It was the '97 grand final when the when the crows took it out, and it was not so much the pre-show itself; it was just the buzz around town. Like I, I, just, I didn't go for the crows, but I had a soft spot for them. You know, they were the, for a long time they were the only team in SA, so you, you watched a lot of their games and just how crazy it was. And here in the Riverland, I could imagine what it was like in Adelaide, but just the build-up was absolutely massive. I just remember watching the the pre-stuff, and I, I was so nervous watching that game um, going into it, and I, I can't remember who sang it in the pre-entertainment or anything like that. But I just remember being so nervous for the, for the Crows supporters and um, seeing how passionate they were. And, you know, there were people crying at the end of the game and, and everything, you know, it was um, it was a pretty special time. Yeah, it was. And and I remember the uh, 97, uh, funny you mentioned that quite vividly as well. I watched it up at a um, family member's shack and I remember uh, – you know, early in the morning, people were out in their boats and, uh, you know, cruising up and down the river and all that stuff. But from one thirty to 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock that night, there was no one on the river. Everyone was just, <laughs> you know, eyes glued to the TV. But once the crows got up, I'll tell you, there were people like skiing up and down the river with flags, you know, like there was... You know the uh, the pride of South Australia being like absolutely thumped on uh, people's <laughs> like boat sound systems and yeah yeah just you know some of those those great moments they just live with you all the time all because of a grand final you know. Well, it's funny that the prelim the week before when they beat the doggies, you remember they came from behind to beat the That's bulldogs. Right. It was yep. a Tom Liberto. Yep. Uh, Sorry, Tony Libertorio, one that he said was touched on the line or whatever. Doesn't matter, Crow he's got through and. Um, so I was at the, the grand final between Paringa and Brownswell at Paringa Oval. And the Crows game must have finished just before, about five or ten minutes before the Paringa game. And people started beeping their horns and, and everything carrying on when the Crows won. Obviously, listened on the radio as well. And people at the game, like 
some of the players thought the game was over. I remember Robert Courtney, he, he walked off the field. They were up by 100 points, but he walked off the field and started, he grabbed a, <laughs> grabbed a can of drink and was walking around with, you know, with the, having a bit of a yahoo. And I'm like, this game's got still got five minutes to go. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, yeah, sold everyone up the river completely. But it was it. Another good memory from that year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we get to Lockie Winnell and we start talking about uh, footy on the radio, mate, I guess uh, from listening back to a fair few uh, grand final calls, what's probably your favourite commentary one-liner? Commentary one-liner? That's a tough one. Uh, there, well, there's two. There's uh, the Heath Shaw smother on Nick Rewald. Come up behind him like a librarian. That was a ripper from Dennis Cometti. Um that always sticks with me. And the other one, um, well, there's obviously Leo Barry U star. That was huge at the time. But the, the one the one I love is at 97 again. Um, uh, it was Andrew Jarman. Uh, sorry, Darren Jarman kicked all the goals in the last quarter and Bruce McAvaney. And I can't remember exactly what it was. It's like, he's had a hell of a game and they are home. And it was just <laughs> you know, perfect Bruce just finishing off off the commentary on, in just the most perfect way that he only he knows how. And um yeah, that, that's one that stood out for me. That's right. Well, you actually stole my thunder there with uh, Leo Barry, you star. Oh, no, the, sorry, The mate. Stephen Quartermain <laughs> one there. Yeah. But I do have another one, and that was the 2018 grand final when uh, Bruce uh, called that one as well, uh, when the West Coast Eagles yep. got up. And I remember he said on the siren uh, something, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he's just like, well, they built a new stadium and now they got a flag above it. Oh, I love yeah, that one. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the, one of the best, obviously. Uh, Bruce and he, probably the Channel Seven commentary team is a bit poorer for not having him uh, out there at the moment. But um, yeah, he's he's and he, you know, imagine being able to be on that stage and be able to call those massive games, you know, year after year, and be able to be involved and have have your fingerprints over it. I know yeah. it's in a, in a different way to not actually playing, but you know, the commentary is very important, and um, yeah, they they add colour to to the um, to the game and. Bruce did it marvellously for you know, 20, 20 odd years, 30 odd years yeah. um, you know, in that Channel 7 com box. Yeah. And guys like Dennis Cometti as well. Sandy Roberts was always a favourite of mine. Yep, indeed. Um, yep. Yeah, he did the 01 grand final, which I've watched back since after <laughs> missing that and uh, got the DVD at home and he did a, did a ripping job that day too. Always one of my favourites. That's it. They're classics, those guys. And the thing that back in those days, those guys were calling it as they saw it with very little input as well as we know like that a lot of data is available yeah. these days to um uh to uh commentators off camera and look there, there's quite a talent to process all of that that's coming at you at one point but back then yeah sandy roberts dennis and all that they were just telling the tale as it was you know and it's just a, yeah. a different um style of commentary um things have changed uh, over the years and uh look i'll i'll put my hand up and I've had the privilege to work with behind the scenes uh, with with Bruce McAvaney before, but you can just see the amount of preparation that goes into their calls, you know, like his collection of statistics is different uh, to what um, would usually you would see on the screen because uh, he looks in so much fine detail at uh, things about the game and, you know, 
even yeah. statistics that you kind of wouldn't think about, but you know, it, they're things that, uh, yeah, his research and knowledge is just that mercurial uh, of the game, and it shows in the commentary that we've heard over the years. And uh, perhaps we need to ask Lockie Winnell if he's pre- um, prepared any one-liners for this week's RFL Grand Final, perhaps. Yes, I think so, mate. I think, I think if knowing Lockie, I, I dare say he would have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has. But uh, look, mate. Um, just before we get to that, um, yeah, uh, you mo- you've tuned in uh, a couple of times. Uh, yeah, what what do you think of Riverland football back on the radio? I think it's great. You know, I think the more coverage we can give local footy, whether it be through the newspaper, the radio, TV, Facebook, um, you know, podcasts like ours, the better. And um, you know, it's just great to have Five RM back on the airwaves, mate. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, so uh, we should cut to it, mate. And uh, this is our chat with Lockie Winner. We caught up with him earlier in the week. Now, we'd like to do something on the Kick-Ons podcast that we've been wanting to do for a while, and we've, uh, well, we've rolled it out on a massive occasion on our uh, grand final show here, and we're going to mix up the worlds of podcasting and radio next, and uh, we're going to talk to a fella whose dulcet tones you might have heard a bit more often on the radio with RFL football finals being broadcast on 5RM, so we'd like to bring on the show Mr. Lockie Winnell. Welcome to the Kick-Ons podcast, mate. Great to be here. It's uh, it's been a while, but uh, I've I've enjoyed the podcast, and it's great to be here with you. It's fantastic. Well, we should cheers to that, mate. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, oh, I guess we should virtual cheers on this segment to uh, Nick Dillon, who's joining <laughs> us, mate. Uh, what are you, what are you sipping on there? Uh, nothing. I did just finish a can of Coke, mate, with the beautiful schnitzel I cooked myself for dinner. So, uh, yeah, no beers tonight. I'll save them for the weekend. Uh, good, to, good to hear you're drinking responsibly on a weeknight, mate. Very good. For once. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lockie, let's just dive into it, mate. Um, that, tell us how this, how this idea was conceived and uh, what's gone into bringing uh, Riverland footy back on the air, mate. Yeah, well, well Brendan, I guess 5 and footy goes back a long time. 5 um, has been around for you know, 90 years, and uh, live calls were a big part of 5RM from, you know, the 1950s through to about the year 2000, and then for one reason, they, they sort of dropped away and sort of went to a, a live cross and live update type thing. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of demand, and uh, we've been pretty involved in footy for a few years now, and uh, we thought the time was right to uh, get it up and running again. So it's it's been a, a bit of a project this year to uh, to get the finals up and about, and... Uh, it's been uh, it's been very well received, and we, we thank everyone for the support we've had. And of course, Lucky Five RM and, and Magic FM, the uh, the major sponsors of the RFL this year, mate, and which is um, which is fantastic. And uh, and you guys have done a really good job in the uh, in the past couple of weeks, and it's great that you guys are doing the grand final as well. Can you tell us a little bit about the team that you've assembled, mate? And I know that my uh, co-host here, Brendan, is a major part of that, but uh, yeah, obviously you got a pretty uh, pretty good team there too. Yeah, so uh, we started off. Uh, I guess I'm I'm sort of the the guy calling it. <laughs> you're, you're the Richie Benno of our, <laughs> <laughs> the captain of the, the commentary end. team. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, we've roped in uh, Trevor Nobby Norton, 5RM sports analyst and long-time uh, sports contributor to 5RM. So he's been a big part of the team. And Brendan Lyons, of course, our, our man on the boundary, keeping us up to date with uh, what's going on on the sidelines. It's been, it's been great. And, you know, I guess a small team to start things off and, you know, 
Who knows what might happen in the future, but um, we might be able to build it out, let's just say. Yeah, and you've been uh, – you mentioned uh, Five RM's been on the air for, for a long time and uh, you've been leaning on a fair bit of nostalgia uh, with all this and uh, it has really brought that out of uh, people. Uh, just had a bit of a chat to some uh, some uh, faithful down there at the um, – uh, RFL headquarters on Saturday, and uh, yeah, they were they were loving it. Uh, hearing uh, you know, just being able to switch on the radio, get a bit of an update the game, and I guess uh, you know, just uh, bring a bit of colour to the afternoon. Yeah, I guess when I started doing um, you know filling in on Sports Saturday before I you know took it on as the the full time host, I filled in quite a few times with Graham Charlie Charlton, and he was a big part of that back in the day. Sadly, uh, no longer with us, and he would speak about those days quite fondly, and I managed to speak with Rex Filkey quite a few times as well and um, another man sadly no longer with us but he spoke about those days quite a lot and the, the following they had and, and things like that and, and he spoke about when the Adelaide Crows came in in 91 was a was a big thing that um, you know affected country footy crowds quite a lot and, and he spoke about how crowd numbers you know weren't quite the same since and I think scheduling on games has been changed a little bit and you'd like to think it's been fixed up a bit but uh yeah he was a big part of five and footy as well as peter frankham as well so um that those three plus a, a few, fair few more were um big part of the team and yeah a lot of people think about that some those memories all the time and like we mentioned earlier lucky you guys have done a great job in the finals so far but can we expect anything special or different for the grand final coverage well, we're going to be uh, starting a fair bit earlier. We're coming in at 2. So uh, typically we've been sort of coming in at 2.30 and the game sort of gets underway at, you know, 2.30, 2.40 around there. But uh, with the uh, grand final, as we know, there's a fair bit going on and uh, we're going to be sticking around for the presentations, the the whole wash-up, the analysis, the whole bit. So uh, probably an extra on the, on the footy game, I don't know, it might be an extra hour maybe of coverage for the game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to throw that on you, Brendan. Live and unscripted. Uh, <laughs> as well as the uh, Sports Saturday show from the ground as well, 8 till 10. So uh, it's going to be a big day at Loxton on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And looking forward to it. And um, uh, we were uh, talking off air uh, a few weeks back about some of the old broadcast schedules yep. that used to be printed in the game plan. And uh, it was an all-day effort, the it footy was, coverage, wasn't it? Was. It was. There was the reserve show, <laughs> which wow. we might have to bring that back maybe next year. <laughs> I think there was under-18s chat as well. There was a thirds review, preview, and all sorts of stuff going on. So, yeah, it really, really was an all-day effort. Back then, and uh, I think they were starting. I think it was at six thirty in the morning wow. from the ground. Yes, big day. Yeah, massive day. <laughs> Would anyone have been there? I don't know. Maybe. Well, that's it. You can make it sound like it. I guess. <laughs> the old timers out there doing the line marking with the, uh, the wireless plug in. But yeah, they um, those days too. I, I heard stories from Graham and, and Rex about. The equipment they had back then with, you know, two-way radios and landlines and things like this is way before mobile phones and any internet or anything like that. And uh, it was quite a quite a communications effort to get that to air back then. Yeah. We're very yeah. fortunate now. We don't need that much stuff. Yeah, it's so ready. I mean, we're, we're sitting around uh, doing a podcast at the, uh, well, the home bar of former Cobb Dogler under-13s coach Steve Lyons here. So you can broadcast anywhere these days. But back then, it was uh, it was quite a feat. It certainly was, and uh, they used to do around the grounds with UHF radios. So they'd have the call team at one game doing the match of the day, and then the other grounds would be, you know, with the UHF radio chipping in with some score updates. Wow. <laughs> and I, I did hear too that uh, that they would go to Berry, Loxton, and Renmark quite a bit because they had the phone lines installed. 
and it was at the very grandstand on the weekend, the phone line is still there. Oh wow! Don't know if it goes yeah, anywhere, right? but yeah. it, the, the actual bracket is still there. Wow! So that was that was actually installed by Father, yeah. you know, forty years ago. <laughs> Might still have the install tag yeah. like on there. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're if you're Richie Benno or maybe Bruce McAvaney, lucky, uh, does that make uh, Nobby BT? And what about our man Linesy here? Who's he? Uh, yeah, BT is. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. Nobby might be. Yeah, Nobby probably is a bit of a. A, a JB, BT type fee. I don't know. Lines, he might be the Dwayne Russell, I reckon, you know. Ooh, D- 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 I like that. Dwayne, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'll wear that hat. That's fine. I, I, I've I worked rate, with a great man, actually. Yeah, He's I, fantastic. I really rate Dwayne Russell. As a, You know, he doesn't get mentioned maybe quite as much as, you know, as you said, the other commentators, but Dwayne does a fair bit. He's a hard worker. I like it. I like Dwayne. Yeah, yeah. Industrious. Yes. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned earlier you might be thinking about taking it, you know, uh, to the next level next year, maybe doing some more games. Is that something that's really on the cards? It'd be great to see every at least one game a, a week broadcast on, on the airwaves next year. Yeah, that's certainly the plan at the moment, to do a game of the day um, every week next year. So uh, we look forward to that. And, uh, you know, still a couple of things to work out there. But, uh, yeah, they, let's just say discussions are advanced oh, on, on that one. That's, that's I'll, good. I'll, I'll that's leave that little thing with you. Here, might, might still have a gig up. next year. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, uh, you know, we... Uh, we, we we had a final in Barmer, then we went to Wakery and we had Berry and we're locks in this week. But we, we need to get all the grounds. And, you know, I think there's nothing there's nothing more local than, you know, calling a game of footy from, you know, Panther Park or yep. Wakery Oval and the Lakeside Oval in Barmer. It's been really great feedback so far. And, we uh, yeah, we've got to keep it rolling. And, yeah, as I said, discussions are well advanced on that one. Yeah, excellent. Because it's such a um, ingrained thing into Australian sports culture is, you know, having – you know, uh, summers with cricket in the background and all that stuff and, you know, Saturday afternoon footy and all that stuff to bring it uh, and give it a real localised uh, type of feel to it and all that stuff. It's something that, uh, you know, uh, just in my opinion, that probably people might want to buy into, you know, as listeners. Yeah, and something I didn't really, you know, I thought there was probably an element out there, but I probably didn't maybe think as how many was a lot of people want to go to the footy, but can't for one reason or another, maybe, you know, unwell or maybe unable, maybe mobility, things like that. But obviously they want to hear their grandson or their great nephew that's playing and things like that. And, you know, that probably really hit home last week, you know, when we were at uh, in that game and you, there's a few people saying, you know, that grandpa was listening at home. Oh, that's good. You know, that's what, that's what we want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Especially last weekend as well with the you know, pretty ordinary weather we had. You know, if you don't want to <clears throat> venture out into the into the wind and the and the rain, it's a perfect opportunity just to sit at home or even even just to, even if you're at the game, putting the uh, the commentary on in the car is not a bad thing either. Well, yeah, we've we've uh, picked up a fair bit of that, and I you know speaking to the the, the forefathers of the five RM football back in the seventies and eighties, they were saying it was a massive thing. You'd, you'd often hear the hum of the uh, the call going around the oval in the cars and maybe the little pocket radios as well. So uh, that's still very much an option if you are going to the footy this Saturday. Indeed, yeah. I think uh, our own uh, kick-ons, Nick Dillon, he was tuning in on your trip down to uh, Adelaide Oval to live the high life in the corporate boxes, weren't you? <laughs> that's it. I got about 15 minutes in before it cut out, but uh, yeah, got to listen to it on the, on the way down, which is good. So I didn't miss a second, which is good. Yeah, and uh, I had a bit of a chat with uh, Joel Greger just in the uh, lead-up to the Indies Grand Final last week, and uh, he reckons he was getting some pretty good reception down around Sedanway as well. So yeah, okay. there you go, mate. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to hear. And 8.01 AM still quite uh, booming, Yeah, as well as the uh, 91.5 FM service as well. So uh, plenty of options there. Plus, it- you can stream online to 5 
Yeah, indeed. That's right. Yeah. Well, so, that's, well, that's perfect for those in Adelaide who, who, you know, obviously can't get up here this weekend to Loxon. If you're in Adelaide and you're a Riverland footy fan, you can you can listen on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we look forward to the coverage this weekend. And, uh, you know, two great sides going out of the the trilogy, I'm calling it, between yep. uh, Wakery and Renmark. And, yeah, it's yeah. Um, an interesting rivalry. But, uh, you know, no doubt this weekend, let, let's hope it um, lives up to uh, what we've, we've had a couple of good grand finals between these two sides. And I think this year we've really – we've known what we've missed last year when we didn't have footy. That's right. There's going to be so much more uh, attention on this and just people looking for a – you know, a great day out um, at, at the footy. And uh, look, mate, we usually on the final siren, uh, the lead commentator always has their their big call. <laughs> Have you rehearsed a few lines maybe for that well, for that moment yet? The, the thing is, so we've done the call, the first two games we did the call somewhat near the timekeeper. So we had a bit of an idea as to how much time was left. Last week we didn't. We were away from the timekeeper, so it was a bit... You, know, you sort of had a bit of an idea. You know, when it starts getting up 25, 26 minutes, you go, oh, there's been six goals. Yeah, that would probably be about right now. But uh, it's a lot easier when you know when the siren's going to sound. But yeah. oh, I haven't been practising, no, Brent. <laughs> I haven't been practising. But uh, who knows? We might, we might drag something out. This sure. Week. Okay. You're right. No worries. Right, that's, uh, we'll wait to hear what happens at the uh, the ultimate moment on uh, Sunday afternoon then, mate. There's Looking a, forward to it. There's a couple of moments in a footy game you can't miss. One's the ball getting thrown up at the start of each quarter, and one is someone going in for a shot on goal. And as you said, and that's that final statement. That's it. Everything else, you know, you can sort of you know, not say – brush over, but you can have a bit of fun with it. You've got to hit those big moments. Those things you've got to hit. That's exactly right, mate. Well, we look forward to tuning in and uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Lockie. It's uh, it's been great to have a bit of an insight into what's what's going on. And uh, look, um, yeah, don't everyone tune out yet just because you uh, and switch across to 5RM. we still got a bit more of a podcast to go yet. But, uh, look, you need to get your ears around uh, 5RM's uh, coverage on Saturday's uh, RFL Grand Final. So uh, thanks for joining us, Lockie. It's been great having you. No, great to be on Mark's Up. Love your work. Cheers. All the best for the cold boys. Well, Dillo, we should move straight along to our next guest, I think, mate. And uh, we're going to talk to Wakeree's captain, Tristan Geeman. So we're diving deep into the Wakeree camp here, mate. So uh, we should get straight to him because he's just got off of work and uh, we've just got him on the line now. So uh, uh, Tristan Geeman, welcome to the Kick-Ons podcast, mate. So joining us on the Kick-Ons yeah. podcast is Tristan Geeman from uh, Wakeree. Welcome. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent, mate. And uh, yeah, just uh, give us a bit of a feel. What's what's the nerves like? What's the week uh, in the build-up been uh, to the big game tomorrow? Uh, nerves, nerves aren't too bad. Um, they'll probably kick in a bit more tomorrow, but um, yeah, the, the build-up's been good. You know, I've got a, obviously the B grade in, so we've had a few out of training during the week, and uh, yeah, no, it's been good. How important is that, mate, to have the B grade going around? Up there with you still, and um, they're obviously still yeah, still been fighting through the finals, and now in the GF as well. To have both teams still training would be massive, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's better than just having a like because a few of our blokes obviously come from Adelaide, so um, yeah, having the B graders out there and a few of the under 18s to just come out and make up numbers, uh, it's been really good. Yeah, mate, and just a little bit on uh, before we talk a bit a bit more about the grand final. Just a, a little bit about your season because uh, also uh, you took on the captaincy role uh, pretty early there when uh, when Tim Bevan uh, went down with that unfortunate knee injury, mate. Um, 
Yeah, uh, just tell us a little bit, um, you know, were, what was it like when you were approached about the job and uh, how have you found it uh, taking taking that on uh, this year? Uh, yeah, so when Timmy went down, it was uh, pretty unfortunate. I think it was in the second, yeah, second round. So um, I was, yeah, I think I've been, I've been in the leadership group for a while, but yeah, vice captain only this year. And when Timmy went down, yeah, it was a bit of a, Bit of a surprise, and I mean, uh, I've taken on the role okay, I think. I don't think it's hampered my footy at all, but um, yeah, just sort of, you know, uh, talking in front of the boys has been a bit of a, a bit different for me because I haven't done that yet. So um, yeah, no, nah, I'll take it on a ride, I think, and yeah, I think the boys are happy with how I'm going. So yeah, I guess you've got a, a new look team there as well this year um, to sort of get around as well, which it probably makes it maybe a little bit easier. I'm not sure. But how is that going? You know, obviously bringing Shane back to the club and then a bunch of new guys into this A-grade side. and um, It's a very different team to 2019. Oh, yeah, no, it's been good to have Shane back. Um, you know, he's, he's a quality uh, quality coach. So, uh, yeah, always expects the best out of all of us. And, um, yeah, and the, the new guys we brought in, uh, like uh, Gordo, Matty Taylor, they've been great. For the club and Brendan Moon, so yeah, you know, um, yeah, couldn't really ask for anything better out of those blokes, and uh, yeah, hopefully can get a flag from them on the weekend. Yeah, so you mentioned those guys. What about some of the younger guys that have come through as well? Because it hasn't just been bringing guys in from outside of the the football club. You've had a lot of young guys, some B grade guys, have been around for a while, stepping into into uh, roles in, within your A grade team as well. And I imagine that's good to see that natural progression um, at the footy club too. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, like I think our young guys coming up uh, this year that have played have been uh, done their role, and um, a few of them, you know, stepped up in times when we really needed them most, like when we were run, uh, running real short of senior members of our team. So yeah, no, I thought they've done done pretty good this year. And some of those guys get a run tomorrow as well, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah, young Jack Colbert's getting a run tomorrow. So and a few of the other lads in the B grade. So. I've talked with Shane a little bit um, a few weeks ago and he mentioned that, uh, you know, it kind of feels like there's a bit of a changing the guard with the younger guys bubbling up, uh, like yourself, uh, taking on some leadership roles and all that stuff. Like, for you guys, uh, going into this one, does 2019, it just doesn't feel like a factor? It's not a memory that you're taking into this game at all? Me, personally, not not really. Uh, as a team, I think we do, we do sort of want a bit of redemption from that year, but... Um, uh, all in all, it's just another year and we'll just go in ready and ready to go, I guess. Um, I sort of, I sort of, yeah, like it is, it is sitting in the back of my mind still, but yeah, um, I don't, don't think too many blokes are worried about it. Yeah, and uh, a player that I've really liked watching um, is Matty Taylor, your ruckman this year, and uh, he was uh, actually the, uh, the ruckman in the Murray Pioneers team of the year, mate. Look, he... Once he gets off doing his ruck work, he's dangerous at either end of the ground. Do, do you guys just uh, kind of like let him uh, dictate where he wants to go uh, once he's done his ruck work? Um, sort of. Uh, we sort of have sort of a structure for him. Uh, and but once he yeah once he moves up forward, that's sort of on him where he goes. So around the ground, we sort of yeah he has his own setup. He knows what to do, and then when he goes forward, it's all up to him. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, because yeah. he's, uh, he's pretty crafty in the middle as well. So, like, on the deck, he's a yeah, pretty good mover. So Yeah, he's very dangerous. I was looking at some uh, stats, and he's managed to uh, – yeah, he doesn't mind a goal. He's got a goal in every game so far he's played. So that's uh, that's got to be uh, bringing a smile to your face. Yeah, yeah, no, he, uh, he does love a goal. Loves a goal. <laughs> so, so without uh – Craig Miller, obviously, tomorrow through suspension. How 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 much is that going to affect you guys? And and who steps up into his role to give um, give Maddie a bit of a chop out in the ruck tomorrow? Uh, like uh, like I said, I think yeah, young Jack Colbert comes in and he's played majority of ruck in the eighteen. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure if he'll take up Funky's role up forward, but yeah, he'll give Maddie Taylor a chop out in the ruck, no doubt. So yeah, I, I assume. I don't really know yet, but yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask about Jack Gregor, mate, because obviously he's finished third in the Willis and had a super year and, and a big game performer in 2019 grand final. We had an absolute ripper uh, that day as well. How how fantastic has his season been for you guys and taking his game to another level? Yeah, no, Jack's been uh, really good. Uh, I think he's, I don't know, he's sort of changed role a little bit. Like he was just a uh, half forward sort of staying up around there and now he's sort of got that engine to move up and down the ground all day so yeah having him do that and kicking goals as well for us is uh yeah been really big for us yeah. and yeah obviously come third in the medal so he's doing something right yeah definitely <laughs> yeah indeed he's uh been uh, quite a uh, a big match player for you guys uh, i'd seen him uh you know, in the Gil Lehman Cup there, he's able to turn it on uh in those big occasions so yeah. you might be looking for that from him tomorrow Ah, hopefully, yeah. Um, I reckon, yeah, if he turns one on tomorrow, I think we'll go a long way to winning, so yeah. <coughs> yeah. And you've had the Woodover red mark this, this year, though. You've had uh, had the three wins over over them this year, a couple of close ones. But um, what's been the key when you come up against a side like that, who are obviously, the, you know, they're a top two team alongside you guys. How do you, how do you um, get yourselves up for a game like that? Oh, I just sort of embrace the challenge, I guess. We just know that they're always going to come at us and um, sort of just been us us and them. And then lots of Loxton come in this year. But, uh, yeah, Remarks, we always know it's going to be just be a challenge. So we're always just ready for it. And uh, just a question uh, we've been putting out on uh, the episode today. Uh, it turns out uh, Nick Dillon is a bit of a sleeper before a grand final. We talk with Fraser Sampson. He loves a bit of a bowl of pasta. Try to sleep. Before. Yeah, try to sleep. <laughs> he loves a bit yeah. of a bowl of, bowl of pasta before a grand final. What about yourself, mate? Any uh, rituals, superstitions before a big game? Uh, usually if we're playing at home, I'll, uh, I'll eat a sausage roll before the B grade. But um, <laughs> Love it. That's going to sit in the guts, doesn't it? Like you'd be, you'd be carrying that around with you all day. <laughs> I don't know. I think it sort of helps me out, I reckon. Um, <laughs> but no, nah, nah, nothing really changes. I sort of just go about it. And, uh, I mean, the footy's on tonight. I watch that. and yeah. yeah, that's about it. Get up early and we'll get ready for footy. So Yep. Well, make sure you get plenty of water in tonight, mate. Big hot day tomorrow, so you've got to make sure you're hydrated. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we do. And I hear they do a good sausage roll down at the uh, Loxton uh, canteen there. So, yeah, get into it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> might have to get in there and get one then. <laughs> awesome. All right, Trisha. Well, thank you very much for joining us, mate, and uh, all the best tomorrow. All right, yeah, thanks. Cheers, guys. Good stuff. Good luck, mate. Cheers. So it was Wakeree's Tristian Geeman, who will be uh, potentially the man lifting up the Premiership Cup tomorrow afternoon. So uh, let's uh, let's dive into it, mate, and let's get into it, and uh, let's rip this game apart. Let's analyse every 
every corner, every contest. Mate, um, look, because it's uh, like we, we asked uh, Tristan just earlier that, you know, there's a fair few changes in the Wakery side that it's a it's a fresh side that the 2019 loss probably isn't weighing on their mind. And, uh, yeah, mate, what, what's your thoughts on how their team's lining up on this one? Well, yeah, it's a completely different different side. Lindsay, it's, um, you know, they obviously brought Shane Stevens back as coach. There was Nat Salter in 2019. Then there's nine changes from the 2019 lineup. Some of those guys are still at the footy club. You know, uh, you know, Timmy Bevan's obviously injured and, um, you know, uh, who else is around the place? Um, Tommy Truscott's still around. So there's guys still around the football club, but nine changes from the A-grade lineup that day. So that's massive. When, when you consider some of those guys, you know, we got you got Daniel Nobes who – you know, kicks you 100 goals a year. You've got Joel Griffiths and Clark McCaddy, a um, couple of gun mids there, Tommy Russo, the Ruckman, you've got Anthony Day, you've got Tom Eldridge, Tom Truscott, Tim Bevan with his knee injury, and then you've got Craig Miller, um, the former captain who's out this week suspended um, for on a rough conduct charge for one week. So that's, you know, that's nine guys out of 21 that are completely different from that 2019 lineup. So then you know, they brought in different guys. Like we mentioned, they brought in guys from outside the area, uh, promoted from win- within the club, like a Billy Cameron, Jack Colbert, who Tristan mentioned about, you know, who would take on some of those ruck duties in, in the absence of, of uh, Funky Miller. Then, yeah, Luke Exton's come back to the footy club. Dustin Gordon's come in and played a really strong role in, in the uh, forward line and in the midfield. Cooper Mackerath um, holding down a key position up forward. Liam Schiller, Ben Smith, Matty Taylor, Mitchell White. So that's that's a completely new nucleus of players for, for Wakery. So, and I think if if they do win the flag, I think it could possibly be Shane Stevens' finest out of his uh, was it four or five? I can't remember how many flags he's won. He's won that many, <laughs> but it could be his finest because he's he's had to deal with a completely new group and some adversity along the way. You know, he's lost um, you know, Tim Bevan to an injury. He lost the big name recruit in Scott Mumford yeah, at the that's start right. of the year. In round one, yeah, you know he. Around one, that's right. He headlined the, all the recruits of, in Riverland football coming in into the team, and they lost him. Um, yeah, no, and then obviously losing Craig Miller on the weekend as well. So that's three pretty important guys to the team. Um, adding a guy back in like Matty Spensley certainly helps, but you know, it, I think it could be his uh, his finest uh, coaching season if if they do pull it off, and maybe even if they don't pull it off, it could, still could be his finest season. To yeah, get to where they have been. That's right. Yeah, considering all that um, that injury concern during the middle of the year, only to drop one game against uh, one of the one of the other top sides uh, that have emerged this year in uh, in Loxton. There, and uh, you know, I remember talking with uh, Shane a few weeks back, and you know, he said, "Yeah, there is a bit of a changing the guard." Uh, a lot of these younger guys now who are starting to bubble to the top and lead the way. So, you know, if uh, either way, if they get up tomorrow, it still kind of feels like the beginning of a of a new dynasty. That well, it, it's been a long running dynasty, uh, the dominance of the Wakery Football Club. But it feels like it might have a a bit of a, a new um, a new feel to it uh, going forward and yeah, uh, yeah they've uh, they've done some uh, fantastic work down there that they uh, could potentially uh, reap the ultimate prize tomorrow it's a new era within an era isn't it and yeah you mentioned here at the, the They've been so good for so long. You know, they've played finals for thirty odd years now in a row. Um, it's it's quite a remarkable effort. And you know, you hear people win sometimes. Oh, you know, Wakery do this and Wakery do that. Wakery are a well-run football club. Wakery have uh, you know people 
in positions that um, do their jobs each week. And I'm talking off-field now that make sure that, that things go smoothly at their football club and they've got a good culture. And so that's why for a long, long time now, they've been so so successful and so powerful. Um, and, you know, I think we could all probably you know, look to them and go, geez, you know, this this is how they do it. We could, we could do better. Um, so I think uh, good on them and, uh, you know, they potentially write another chapter tomorrow. But on the flip side of things, Renmark obviously trying to go back to back and they've they've had about six changes from their side. And I'd argue that their side from 2019, Lindsay, is actually stronger than their 2000... Uh, sorry, their, sorry mm-hmm. this year is stronger than 2019. Um, and when the, you consider they brought in guys like Jack Agostino, Tom Charlton's come in and, and kicked 30-odd goals. Um, yeah, Nathan Zernick's kicked 30-odd as well. Um, and then you know, a guy like Josh Howard out on 2019, comes back in as well um you know he was he was an unlucky story that year so they've got a really good nucleus there of guys coming in so you know it's for the rovers everything to to lose in in some ways because they are the reigning premiers yeah. and even though they're not favorites for this game yeah yeah but i do like the approach that josh fade has taken since coming back from um the lockdown period is they're just happy to play football and as cliche as it sounds like it one week at a time but just you know, enjoying your football and just getting out there and just giving it everything, you know, because it, I, I guess finals or not, in, in a kind of way, we were going on a week-to-week proposition of, you know, how we, we would get through this season. So taking that approach and playing like, like no tomorrow, um, well, it, it's got them to this to this position and, and it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's quite an interesting psychology and, and it's got them there in the end and it just is testament to how hard that they're willing to go um, to defend this crown, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they, they've got... Oodles of talent down there, Remark. It's um, that's the other thing. You know, they, they've done really well. We talk about Wakery's culture and everything, but Remark's done similarly. You know, they've really embraced their, their youth down there over the past four or five years. Not just when Fates was coaching, but back with Maddie Martins and um, really invested in, in bringing some youth through. And it's really paid dividends now because they've managed to keep hold of some of these um, elite kids, and you know, they're all playing in, in their senior senior grades now and geez they're, they're good to watch when they're up and about aren't they remark you know some of the talent up there you know lucky Lowman and, and guys like that and big jack austin up forward and um you know they've just got a plethora of guys that can just come in and, and play a role for them yeah alex haynes is another one we probably don't give enough credit to coming into the into the ruck for them and and um sort of helping zach gartry to play a different role and and uh, but alex has done a tremendous job in, in the ruck too yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, well, uh, Zach uh, got his big wheels on last week and uh, got a goal. Uh, so, yeah, being able to, to slot in and do things like that is uh, great to see from the big man. And uh, talking about roles, look, mate, um, what what are some of the key matchups that uh, you think will uh, be taking place tomorrow? Well, I think, yeah, if you're in, Mark, you, you've got to, you've got to stop Matty Spensley. Um yeah, you know, I think uh, Fray's mentioned both the Spensley boys, but Maddie's the one for me. You know, sneaks forward and kicks those goals as well, and he's just such a dynamic and dangerous player when he's on. Um, he, he, you've just got to have somebody with him, whether they go with a run with roll or whether it's just a, a team effort, group effort to to try and curtail him. I'm not sure. Um, 
but yeah, he, he's the one for if I'm Josh Fader, I'm, I'm putting a little bit of time into. Um, the other two, obviously, Dusty Gordon, that they need to make sure that they, they can limit his influence. Um, and, and Jack Greger as well, you know, they've got to be able to stop stop his, um, you know, his, his attack off half forward and, and then get, you know, getting up the ground a little bit too. It can, be, uh, it can be really dangerous too. And then on the other side of things, you know, if I'm uh, Shane Stevens, and, you know, I think you mentioned uh, to us before that, um, you know, they put some work into Lockie Lelman in the second semi-final, and he's probably the the one as well. If they can stop him, it just it takes a pretty uh, potent guy out of their forward line mix and puts a lot more pressure on on the likes of yeah Nathan Zernick and Tom Charlton to kick their goals. So he's probably the one I'm uh, trying to stop if I'm I'm Steve-O. Yeah, that's it. So you you either uh, make the decision to put all your effort into making sure Lockie's out the game, but yeah counterbalance to that is yeah uh nathan zunik in red hot form could uh slip in behind uh whoever's got the job perhaps jim jim thompson uh who we know is a seasoned campaigner uh something mm-hmm. uh, a, a matchup i think that um could happen is you, you know we, we talk about dusty gordon wouldn't I would be inclined to uh, maybe if I were Josh Vader that uh, Harry Beavis goes down there just to match that pound for f- pound physicality perhaps because uh, you know uh, yeah Harry's uh, can be quite a physical player but still able to run off his man. Yeah, run off and create. That's what Harry does really well. He's um, not afraid of you know sort of backing himself in you know, to jump over the top um, or even take a hanger himself. So it'd be a great match. If the name Trevor Thorpe there. I'd, don't see that happening, but you never know. It could happen. Uh, who knows with footy teams these days? It could just be a bit of a, um, a furphy they're throwing in there. But you know, um, yeah, Bevo is probably a really good matchup for them. If not him, maybe a Jake Anspach or someone like that would be be ideal. Yeah, indeed. And and but the other one, the other one, lines is uh, that probably Waker need to watch as well is Grady Ops, who's a, a proven player uh, in finals, mm. and uh, you know he's he's hitting some form now as well. And up in that Remark forward line, you know, they're going to have to be very wary of him. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Grady kicked a couple of goals in the uh, their final game uh, of the season, and did some great clearance work as well, and even backed that up against. Uh, Berry uh, in the first semi-final as well, so he's in he's in great mm-hmm. form at the right end of the season as well. So it'll be interesting to yep. see what role uh, Grady plays. And um, look, I caught up uh, this afternoon uh, with a uh, a guy who knows his football, um, uh, and uh, yeah, just a, a general chit chat and uh, an interesting uh, bit of information that come out of that uh, that chat was that uh, Loxton Oval isn't exactly the happiest hunting ground for lot. For um for the Magpies, and as we know, they had that loss uh, to Loxton at their home ground earlier this season. Now, look, you know whether that's just one of those errant little stats, or you know, uh, I think it's more of just a it adds a little bit of extra discussion to the uh, uh, to the grand yeah, final. Doesn't bit of intrigue? It? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, just one of those quirky little things. It's it it is a smaller oval compared to to Wakery and Remarks Ovals, which are the two biggest in the league and two of the biggest in in the state, in fact. Um, but Loxton is is still a, it's still a reasonably sized oval, but it is smaller than our oval, so they're not going to be able to play that free wheeling football that they do on their home home decks. Um, but that, you know that's that goes for both clubs. Both clubs aren't going to be able to do that. I know Remark will back themselves in with their with their press and uh, to try and shut Wakery down a little bit. 
and that's going to be the, the key for Waker. If they can break through that, then then they're away. So um, just another little in, intriguing part of what's going to be a, you know, a pretty pretty uh, fun matchup to watch, I think, tomorrow, mate. Let's have a look across some of the other grades there, Dillo. And uh, in the under-13s who will be kicking off uh, tomorrow, we have got Renmark and the Roos going at it uh, first up tomorrow, mate. And, uh, yeah, uh, what's your read on this one? Well, it's an interesting one. The under th- having coached the under-13s previously, mate, I, I know that the finals always throw up a bit of a doozy Um you know, once you get down to the pointy end of the season, Barman Monash went through the season undefeated. But come the second semi, Remarks got over the line and and knocked them off. So potentially the loss that the Barman Monash need to have. Um, sometimes you see it go all the way through, and then that, that undefeated team loses in the grand final. It happens so often in the under thirteens and under fifteens. Uh, but perhaps they've got that loss out of the way. So it's going to be a close one uh, either way. I think uh, you'd be leaning towards. Uh, Remark, given the, the, the recent form, but Barman Monash, you know, outstanding all, all season as well. So, um, you know, to go through undefeated, you don't do that unless you're you're obviously a really good side. So, it's going to be a, a pretty good match to start kick us off tomorrow, mate, out at Locks Noble between uh, two very quality young sides. That's right. And the Ruse uh, having the services of uh, the very impressive young Brody Scordo, who won the. Uh, Mm-hmm. Best and fairest uh, a few weeks back as well. So, yeah, uh, a bit stacked in the Ruse corner there. So we'll see what happens uh, first up tomorrow. Uh, in the under-15s, uh, and Monash again goes in the top pick uh, against Berry in this one. And uh, Berry coming off uh, quite a good uh, prelim final against Loxton North last week, mate. So uh, have you had a chance to see a little bit of uh, junior footy this year? Not a huge man, not as much as I would have liked. Um, but uh, you know, Barman Monash have uh, been outstanding again, once again in the uh, in the under 15s as well. Um, you know, they have uh, 11 wins and two losses. It was a prelim against Remark last week, and yeah, they uh, they went out in straight sets after going through undefeated. So once again, that uh, the team that hasn't hasn't lost all years uh, struggled in the. Um, in the uh, in the major round, so Barman Monash sitting second, and they come up against the Berry side. So probably didn't expect to be playing in the grand final. I mean, they they had six wins and seven losses for the year, a percentage under a hundred. Yet, you know, they've come through and, and won through to a grand final, and and will give themselves every chance now. But uh, given the the form that Barman Monash has been in this year, it's hard to go past the Roos. I think. Indeed, and uh, in the under 18s, uh, but an exciting one uh, with Berry uh, favoured to uh, kind of probably uh, beat Renmark, perhaps uh, looking at the uh, the form going into it, uh, because um, they Berry went in uh, knocking out the uh, the minor premiers in Loxton North, who went out in straight sets. Yeah, we, I mean, you could argue the same for Remark, did the same thing in the prelim final. So North, uh, you know, talking to Fraser earlier, and, you know, he was talking about how close it was between them all year and Remark uh, dropped that game against Wakery late in the season that they probably thought that they shouldn't have and that would have seen them finish uh, probably top of the ladder and it would have been Berry playing in, playing off a third. So um, that's the way it goes. Locks the North out in straight sets, unfortunate for them. But uh, Remark's actually had the wood on Berry this year. Had two out of the uh, the three wins, a couple of close ones. Berry did beat them by 10 goals earlier in the year. So that was a big win for them. Um, 
you know, Barry will be relying on Rory and Maroney. He's had, had an absolutely super year. That kid can seriously play. Um, you know, he's just got uh, got all the moves, can uh, dodge in and out, weave in and out, and uh, and a lethal foot as well. Uh, Regan Krug has had, had a terrific year for them. Patrick Minchella, um, I think uh, I think he was equal winner of the uh, the medal, wasn't he? So he's he's had a super year. And um, on the Redmark side of things, you know, Judd Hansen has been a, a known goal kicker for them. Had, had a super season. Uh, Decky Johnson, Noah Baker. Um, you know, these are all guys that have had really good years for the 18s this year so um, once again I think we're going to be in for a real treat tomorrow with the under 18s it's one of the highlights of the day for me Lonzi, is the under 18s grand final because I feel like the B grade standard obviously drops off a little bit um, but the under 18s that's the best young talent that we've got putting on the show mm. and it's, it's always great to watch and generally a pretty close game yeah and and we, we've seen what can happen uh, you know uh, from those games uh, Jesse Thackeray was involved in uh, locks the north uh, last year's win and you know uh, big games like that get you noticed uh, if you can stand up and we know he's doing great things down there at Westies. So, you know, it's a, it's a chance for the young fellas out there to shine on a big day and uh, you just never know who's watching. Yeah, that's right. Well, Paul Streetfield from West Adelaide, I have no doubt, will be there. He comes up to all the grand finals and he's the under-18s coach uh, down at the Blood. So, you know, he'll be looking with an eye at that, uh, those guys, probably in particular some of the under-15s kids as well and, and maybe some of the younger under-18s to, to come down and, and have a crack at Westies. So if you can perform on the big stage, then that's you know, they'll certainly take that in, into account, I'd imagine. Yeah, and uh, while we're talking about um, some of our junior grades, uh, it our young fellas down at Westies, well, uh, they've got themselves uh, in a prime spot uh, in the finals. Now, um, They've got a prelim this weekend, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. So they're playing that uh, that prelim final. I think it's against uh, against North Adelaide. Um, so you know they're oh, sorry against the Eagles. Um, so a massive prelim final on, on Saturday. So maybe Streety won't be there. Actually, they might have somebody else there because he'll be coaching. So that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, massive game for them. 1pm down there at, uh, at Debbie Oval. And uh, we do have quite a few Riverland players in there. So we've got uh, Oscar Krieger from Berry, uh, Dylan and Jordan White from Remark will be playing, uh, Jesse Thackeray, as you mentioned, from, from Loxton North, and, and also Jack Sullivan from Barmer Monash. So a really good Riverland representation. And there's a lot of other guys that have been um, part of that squad this year as well. You know, there's been Mitch Hahn, who broke his leg earlier in the year, Connor Blackwell. There's been a, been a host of other guys that have had, had a decent crack down at under-18 level. So we wish the, the young bloods all the best tomorrow. <laughs> Now, mate, the real business, the B-grade grand final, mate. You know, it's like, it's like going to the movies, isn't it? No one hangs around for the credits, you know, at the A-grade, the end of the day. <laughs> it's all about the main event, the resis. <laughs> well, apparently so. As a former B-grade premiership player with Remar Rovers myself, I can absolutely vouch for that, that we were the stars of the day and uh, anyone who tells me otherwise can get stuffed. But uh, <laughs> no, the B-grade grand final, always a rip, but always close games as well, Lionsy. They're always you know, really low scoring. The pressure's on. Obviously, the skill level not there as, the as much as the A-grade, so the goals are hard to come by. They come at a premium. And uh, tomorrow will be no different. You know, Remar Wake Group had a long long-standing uh, rivalry in the B grade. This goes back 
25 years, 30 years, you know, always been up, up the top. And and this year the Rovers going through currently undefeated and with good reason because they've got a squad of 60-odd blokes in, on their list at the moment, Remark. So there's a lot of guys missing out each week. So they've got some really good talent and there's a lot of very handy footballers missing out in the game for the Rovers this week. Um, and you can understand why when you've got a guy like Jared Rowe who's missed out on A-grade selection comes back and, and gets, a, gets to play in the B-grade. Um you know, that's fantastic for him to still be able to play in the grand final. Brody Rover coming off, uh, you know, f- finishing runner-up in the medal. He, he's he's only a young fellow and I happen to know his, his parents pretty well. And um, it's just great to see him thriving uh, on the big stage there. And then um, you've got former A-graders like Liam Jackson. You know, he's started off in the A-grades, come back to the B-grade. He's kicked two or three goals in every single game he's played, LJ. So he's, he's going to be a one to watch tomorrow. And then on the Wakery side of things, you know, they've got some really good talent there. A lot of guys have played a lot of A-grade football. Uh, Hamish Bigwood comes back into the B-grade. You've got Aaron Thompson, who's been a star for a long, long time for the Wakery Footy Club. Jackson Sutton. And then those young kids around them, like Cade Hilton, Dylan Gollan. Um, they're just – both teams are just packed to the, to the brim with talent. And so – it wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, normally they're a bit of a low-scoring affair. I can see this one being a little bit more high-scoring than normal due to the um, you know, the amount of talent that's in these two teams. Yeah, and that's, you know, on, on paper, yes, um, I think it's Renmark's to lose um, given, you know, going through yeah. undefeated and all that stuff. But, yeah, when you rattled off uh, some of those names of guys that have played in a-grade grand finals, won a lot of premierships like Aaron Thompson, Jack Sutton, you know, Brooke Hodes in there, very very seasoned campaigner. Look, you you got to wonder how those guys' experience in big games could be a factor here because, you know, uh, Wakeree, like, uh, I, I think something that's been glossed over is that, well, they've got a shot at a back-to-back premiership here from 2019. So, you know, that yeah, you, you can't rule that out that that is that those guys, they know how to get these jobs done. Yeah, and that uh, exactly right. They, they've been we've mentioned they've been around for a long, long time. These uh, these Wakery guys, and um, they've just they do get the job done. And there's some really solid footballers in, in their lineup, and uh, they're well coached as well. You know, it wouldn't surprise to see Wakery upset Remmark. Having said that, you'd think that um, that Remmark should get the win, but who knows, mate? These, these grand finals could they can throw up some doozies at you, and uh, you know it's. Um, this rivalry, like I said, goes back a long way, and uh, there's always been an upset every every couple of years between these two teams. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's it, mate. So very uh, fitting into the season to see, you know, the 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 two powerhouses of uh, Riverland football in uh, in both grades uh, duking it out once more. So it's going to be uh, a massive day, and uh, can't wait to get down there. Uh, tomorrow to see it all unfold so uh that's our wrap on the uh on grand final day for the rfl for 2021 across all the grades uh we we uh hope we've uh, brought you up to speed and uh perhaps uh you know quench your thirst for a big day ahead tomorrow uh so mate well that's um you know it, Kick On's podcast, even though that's our wrap for the season, we're still going to be back next week for a bit of a review. So don't go anywhere yet. Just because the season's done on the field, we've still got another week to go. So we'll bring you a full wrap of the RFL Grand Final next week. And uh, maybe we could be talking to some of the people who are going to make themselves a star tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting, isn't it, Dillo? 
Absolutely, mate. Looking forward to getting out there tomorrow. It'd be good to catch up with you. We'll have to have a, a cheeky, cheeky brew together potentially. But you've got a big, big day yourself. You know, being on the uh, on the sideline, doing your role for uh, both, obviously the Murray Piney and Five RM tomorrow, mate. So I wish you all the best for that. Thank you, mate. I might uh, take you up on that after the siren, perhaps once. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> good. So, mate. Uh, yeah, enjoy the day. We'll catch you down there. And uh, to everyone that has uh, downloaded our show uh, today, thank you very much. And remember, you can share the kick podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify with all your footy mates. So, uh, look, we hope we've brought you up to speed on everything that's about to happen. And we'll catch you next week on the Kick-Ons Podcast.